Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the Big Nose Podcast. This week on the show, I'll be reviewing the message from the Irish government and in, in particular from Leo Radcar in regards to not coming home for Christmas for all those Irish people abroad. In good news, I'll be updating you on the latest on, in the delivery of a possible vaccine by the end of the year. I'll be focusing on the work carried out by Pfizer in partnership with BioNTech and the latest coming out of Germany and the possibility that this will all be over come 2021. And finally, anything happening to you this Friday gone, maybe it was because it was Friday the 13th. I'll explore where all these superstitions come from, but first... Well, that was the one and only Bing Crosby. And if you were to believe Leo Varadkar, you will only be home for Christmas in your dreams because the Irish government are looking at the possibility of sending out a message. We do not need people travelling home from abroad and affected countries this Christmas in an effort to tackle any resurgence in the virus and the number of cases here in Ireland. During the week, this question was put to CMO Dr Tony Hoonlan and... Tony being a straight shooter as he is, and I think his response was very fair and honest. It's too early to state about what will be the situation in late December. Leo Varadkar decided to come out and say, you know what, it's realistically unlikely that we'll be promoting travel. I can understand both sides of the argument. Dr. Tony Houlihan is true what he says, and it's my belief down through this whole pandemic that the situation and the virus is ever changing and we cannot predict a week ahead or two weeks ahead what the situation is going to be never mind six to seven weeks ahead and that's why tony is saying what he is saying we are in the middle of um lockdown number two into our our week our six weeks or five weeks of lockdown our level five restrictions and and they're working the figures are going down and if we compare to our nearest neighbor northern ireland it's it's not working up there they're in the middle of a coming out or maybe not coming out or going into and extending their lockdown and their cases aren't falling as quickly as ours the irish people in the republic of ireland have come together and the measures that have been taken by this government and as directed by neffet have meant that there has been serious and yet uh, and yes a very hard decisions had to be made and sacrifices had to be made and we had to go backwards to go forwards but the data is showing that to date the R number is going down. I think the latest I've seen is at 0.6. The cases are coming down. We're no longer at the 1,200 that we were three weeks ago. We're down to four to 500 a, a day and, and we're progressively going down. So it's trending downward. And as hard as it is on businesses and families and isolated people, I think the level of lockdown we're in at the moment isn't the same level as it was back in May and April. And the message coming from Leo Radcar is, you know, don't book your flights to come home. The idea is that by come Christmas, anybody within the country, we will be have it at such a low level within our own controlled environment that anybody coming in from a, a country that 
isn't at the same level as ours and looking we're the third lowest level of um, virus and cases in Europe at, at this week and any country particularly in Europe and especially in America coming into Ireland for the Christmas period is going to negatively impact on the efforts and work that we've done to date. I think it, I would put it fairly straightforward, right? We know and we've all experienced traditional Irish Christmases if we've been in Irish families. Okay, over the last number of years, they might have been a little bit smaller to what we remember as children. I remember as a child that I was going to my grandparents for Christmas dinner and my dad's uh, sisters and brother might come and they might bring their family. So you could have a guts of maybe if you're looking at six maybe six different families coming in and my grandparents you had to go to 30 people in a house the heating would be on full whack because that's what happens the kitchen would be gone to go full blast so the heat in the house would be something else then you add into the equations 13 30 humans in there and the amount of heat that would be generated in that household would be phenomenal now if you take into consideration what you need for this virus to be passed on and even if you are asymptomatic and not knowing that you had the virus, the ability to be keeping two meters in a, in, in a, an average Irish house would be not possible in a traditional Irish Christmas. And also the level of heat in, in the house would mean that it's, you know, people are sweating, we're getting closer to each other because of um, the advances of alcohol consumption, and we're just getting more comfortable in each other's environment. And what that will bring on then it's the opportunity for this virus who doesn't care that it's Christmas and it doesn't care that we haven't seen each other. It doesn't care that we've been abroad for the last 12 months and we always come home one time a year from South Africa, from America, from mainland Europe to see our family at this time. And particularly when everybody's had such a bad time during the year and we haven't seen each other as much as we wanted to see each other, that yeah, maybe this Christmas we'll come home. So I can totally understand where Leo's message is coming from. What I think the delivery of the message is probably a bit stark. It's a bit, a uh, bit too honest, and it's not what people want to hear. But we need to hear it. I think the message from the CMO is totally correct as well. We don't know where we'll be come Christmas this year. We hope to be in a much more positive situation. And if we're taking the measures and the measures that we are taking continue to work the way they are working, then we'll totally be in a position there. We'll have a Christmas to some level, but not onto the levels that we've had previously. The idea of people coming into the country and if you think about the fact that we've brought on board the European traffic light system in terms of um, green, orange and grey and red. The only country that's on the green list is Greenland and no one's coming in from Greenland other than the odd scientists maybe to Ireland. So the likelihood that we're going to be able to travel out and travel in over this Christmas period is ridiculous and that's why we need to have a little bit of sacrifice, a little bit more sacrifice I should say because We've all made a lot of sacrifices. Some ultimately has made the ultimate sacrifice where there won't be people sitting at the Christmas dinner table this year. Christmas won't be in some households because they won't have the stomach to be able to sit at a table where their loved one has gone. And that's important to remember too. I agree that this Christmas will be different. I agree with Leo Varadkar that people shouldn't be travelling home for Christmas. I agree with the CMO that we don't know where we'll be December. But I also know that as a country we've come through so much in the last 10 months that we need to focus on 2021 the year where we will and I'll talk about it in a little while hopefully have 
a solution to this problem that the year 2021 and especially the Christmas of 2021 will be the most phenomenal Christmas it might last two months it might last longer than normal we'll start celebrating next November we'll have our Christmas trees up early we'll have two late late tie shows we'll have the unbelievable situation where we might be able to go on many many pub crawls and do the 12 pubs and maybe do 24 pubs just to make up for this year's missing out but we need to take a bigger picture and I know it's hard here and now as we're all starting to see advertisements on the TV and Kevin the carrot is back and the Late Late Toy Show now is coming on board and it's going ahead and it's a great thing but we need to have a bit of perspective. We need to accept that Christmas is different this year regardless of what we might think but it's going to happen, please God, if we continue on the right track. But what we don't need to happen is people from outside of our country and if, even if they're family members or friends coming into the country from an area that would have possibly a more higher rate of infection a more higher level load of um, disease coming in and fanning the flames and fanning the ambers or the embers of our COVID situation come Christmas we should be back to where we were with one or two deaths regrettable as they are and cases below 50 but we'll only get there and we'll only maintain there if we continue doing what we're doing on this level. And the idea of people coming in from an outside environment and knowing how it happened last time will not bode well for the start of 2021. And that is why I agree with Leo Varadkar that we do not have to have people coming home for Christmas, as difficult as it is. So that we can look at 2021 in the broad spectrum of things and we're moving on to the next section talking about a vaccine having a vaccine and a treatment there to the middle of next year and then enjoying the summertime getting out getting together again having those occasions and then looking into the winter and saying look you know what this winter i'm looking forward to it why are you looking forward to it because we have a vaccine there everybody's a little bit better and we missed out so much on last year but this year you know what we're going to make up for it because that's what we do we celebrate well in this country and that's why i agree that this time don't need you coming home for Christmas. We need everybody to stay where they are around the world. Get on the Zoom. Get on the telephone. Send your parcels early. We'll all celebrate in our own way. Regardless of where we are in the world. And we'll have the day. And we'll have the festive period. And we'll all come together in the new year. Please God. At some stage. And if we look even towards Patrick's Day. We might even have that this next year. So let's all take a, take a moment. Listen to the message coming from the CMO and the scientists. Listen to the message coming from the World Health Organization. Be aware of the risks related to travel. And you know what? Leo Varadkar has had his demons in the last number of months. But the what he was saying and the advice he was given and the way he was saying it is important to listen to. There's a serious message in that. As much as we may not like what he says and as much as we may not like his politics... And may, as much as we may not be supportive of where he is in terms of his own political career and all the drama he's gone through in the last number of weeks, the message is an important one to listen to. Please, please take it on board. With that in mind, I'm getting off Christmas because God knows there's enough Christmas going around in my world at the moment. Towards the start of uh, this week, Pfizer, uh, partnering with BioNTech, a German company as far as I can make out, had a bit of good news. The good news was that they had had a vaccine. It's going to be called BNT 
I think that stands for BioNTech 1, 6-2 or 62-B2. So that's BNT1, 6-2-B2. I have no idea how they come up with these vaccination names, so that's what it's called. So basically the vaccination was coming out with an efficiency rating of around about 90%. There was 43,538 people enrolled in this. So that's good news. Now, the thing about it is a lot of this has come out in the last week and we all were hoping for a good news story. And this came out from Pfizer. Pfizer is the company that's kind of funding the research into this and BioNTech are the ones that are doing all the, the heavy lifting and the research in terms of what what's going on in terms of bringing it to the fore but in fairness to both of the companies they come out and they said they will release the data and people who know people within these companies are saying that the data is looking good as well but there are a number of caveats as well they need to scale this up in terms of a larger sample size to know what the effects across a larger board is what we also need to be aware is we're un unaware of whether this vaccine will work on asymptomatic people. So that if everybody gets it, just the people who are asymptomatic going around with it, not knowing that they have it or not having showing signs of symptoms, are they able to take the vaccine and it work on them? Sorry, obviously one of the big things about this is the research on this has not been done for a long period of time. So we are not aware of the long-term side effects of this vaccine. And this is something that we'll later on talk about uh, affect the ability for it to uh, affect us as humans one of the big problems we'll have obviously is if this vaccine is certified and goes through all the testings and is signed off and is put into mass production we will have a distribution issue will we be able to get it out to the people who need it and of course there is a possibility that we don't know how long this is going to protect us against the virus is it a case we need a booster every year, every six months? Do we need to have two inoculations, one inoculation? And these are all the caveats that are being put against the findings during the week. But it was a great news story. I've never seen so much positivity going around. People you're bumping into, talking to, I was talking to people in work and they were coming across and saying, yeah, you know what, this is really positive. So yes, it's a positive situation we're, we're in. And another thing we need to be aware of, Pfizer are not the only ones at the moment in, in company with BioNTech that are making advances in the COVID vaccine. You know, there are other companies out there. I, I know at least two, I think it's AstraZeneca are working with the Oxford University and then you have Johnson & Johnson. And you know what? I'm not a scientist. I don't know the ins and outs and I know it's National Science Week here in Ireland. And Dr. Luke Kelly has been doing a lot of um, communications across different platforms as well in terms of this and he was on the Late Late Show there recently with Ryan Tuberty. It was all very positive and if the scientists are betting positive as I said in previous episodes of this podcast we need to listen to the professionals and listen to people who know what they're talking about. If you want to know about science go to a scientist. If you know, want to know about um, books and literature go to a person who has studied literature or English. No, we need to believe and if the scientists are getting excited we need to listen to them so what we need what i've recently found out is that there's different ways in which vaccines can be distributed stored generated and you know some of them i think the one that pfizer is developing needs to be distributed and it needs to be kept chilled or very frozen but there's other companies coming on board that need to have an easier storage ability and they don't need to necessarily be frozen or chilled to minus 18 degrees or whatever it is which also then affects the cost of the vaccine and then whether what governments will be able to get it ireland's for a small country is at the forefront in terms of um human trials in terms of covid19 there's a company uh, in um, london actually um 
it's an Irish company, Irish owned company called Open Orphan, and they're doing trials uh, on 30 to 50 people in terms of human um, COVID trials, live trials. And depending on whether it gets um, signed off in terms of whether it's moral, whether it's uh, ethical and all that, they hope to be starting trials on humans towards the start of next year, which then, you know, by that stage, we will have be further along in the vaccine development. And, you know, we'll be able to use these vaccines on these humans who have been exposed to a, a dosage, um, a small dosage in a safe environment that we'll be able to um, use these um, developed vaccines and see what effects they have on the human. Another thing, and I suppose, you know, we get a vaccine in the new year. A couple of the questions you have to kind of consider then, it's it's proven to be working. Who will get it is one of the biggest challenges, I think. And I think if I'm thinking about who should get it first, frontline workers, definitely. Those working with COVID patients, those working on the front line in our hospitals, our ambulance services, our, our police services, our army and our chemists, they all need to be protected against it so that they can go in so that their families aren't worried about them going in and working in these environments, that they are conscious that, yes, they're dealing with people with a condition that is very, very serious but these people are protected and this is very important coming into the new year when these vaccines will be out there we need to protect those we also then need to look further afield in terms of you know people with underlying health conditions people who have chronic illness people who have a weaker immune system so then we're looking at maybe looking at the elderly then after that and then possibly essential health healthcare workers or sorry essential workers what i would Per in there as well the question comes across do you give it to children and there's a couple of reasons i would argue that we don't necessarily need to give it to children the reason you don't give it to children well first of all at the moment the impact of the virus on children seems to be very minute while yes they are able to transmit the disease it doesn't seem to be able to affect them in such a negative way now i know there has been isolated incidents where we've heard terrible conditions of young people but for the vast majority and when you're thinking about the rolling out of a vaccine and giving it to people who need it when there's a limited or finite resource of it at the moment we need to kind of um, identify those who need it and those who don't need it another reason why i wouldn't give it to children is that we don't know how they're going to develop when they get to puberty and become pubescent so how will it change their biological uh, infrastructure in terms of themselves and whether or not they will be able to carry into the future when once they've grown up not be able to fight this uh, virus by themselves so that's another reason why i don't think children necessarily need to be given given the vaccine and i think that is a very important thing to remember when we're when we're in looking at the distribution of the vaccine the two biggest challenges that will face any vaccine whether it be the one coming from pfizer or astrazeneca or johnson and johnson or whoever it is that one of the two of the biggest challenges from the company point of view, I think a logistical challenge. Now, I know the World Health Organization has been doing a lot of work from the day, day, day one where they've been getting their ducks in a row so that should a vaccine come along that they're in a position to get the vaccine out to the people who need it. But at the end of the day, this is a physical uh, movement of massive amounts of containers and refrigeration units would be, be the ones they need and it takes time to get it out then countries need to be ready in terms of having facilities in which they can use can they, they can use in terms of trying to inoculate people against this. This is a case that we set up drive-through inoculation centers or vaccine centers like we did with testing units to all of a sudden 
we look at having you know these set up at airports where do we have them set up so a logistical point of view from a logistical point of view it's very important to consider all of these factors and i know a lot of governments and have been putting work together in terms of creating task force task force in terms of putting together people who know what they're dealing with we look at what we've done in the african continent and how we've inoculated people against certain diseases there and the world health organization has a lot of experience and they know what they're doing so it's about sharing that information with nations and being able to understand your own geographical needs and how you can best lay out this and um, i know ireland are getting one percent of the european share which is about two million uh, doses of of, of the vi- of the vaccine um, which will probably be enough for a million people. So, you know, we're going to get a level of herd immunity as well. As we in cases coming on board with people getting the vaccine and they're immune for a period of time, then we'll have young people who will probably not get it and then we'll have people who will need it. So we're going to get about a million people vaccinated at the start anyway through this. I think one of the more interesting points of view, I suppose, is or one of the most interesting challenges out of this will be the fact that will the public buy into using the vaccine will you as a listener consider yourself for the vaccine should it come out in the new year and that is one of the challenges because we all know of people and i'm if i include myself i'm never taking the flu jab and we all understand the way uh, or know of people who don't take any jabs or flu because they're of the opinion they don't need it they have a strong immune system and or that they don't believe that it works they believe it actually gives you gives you the the condition or the virus or the and then there's people who are skeptical about the fact that it might work or might not work or what the long-term effects are of it people cite that it took 12 years to generate a flu vaccine and the flu vaccine is only somewhere between 50 and 70 percent effective and all these are valid points and I can totally understand why people will not want to get the vaccine. But all I would say is I would implore people to consider the facts and the importance of the population getting the vaccine in terms of having a level of sustainability of life going forward. No, None of us know what the future holds, but if we have an opportunity to make it better for ourselves, we should definitely involve ourselves with that process. And as vaccines and more vaccines and more research is done we hope to develop a vaccine that is safer longer lasting and easier to distribute to the people now on that good news i suppose friday the 13th is a day that everybody in western society comes at with a bit of a shudder a bit of a a coldness down the spine synonymous with bad luck being unlucky you know it's on a on a par with walking under a ladder it's on a par with breaking a, a mirror. Going into this podcast, I did not know that there was an actual phobia of the number 13 or associated with the number 13. And I will try to pronounce it, so don't berate me for getting it wrong. Or if I get it wrong, please correct me and tell me how you best pronounce this word. But the word is triskiadekaphobia. Now, that's all I'm going to say basically it is the fear of the number 13. So doing a bit of research as I said the fear of the number 13 is synonymous with a Christian faith um, in the western world um, it is possibly going back as far as the fact that at the last supper there was 13 people and the last supper took place on a Thursday and the 13 people were obviously 12 apostles and Jesus Christ and the next day well it wasn't a good Friday for him but 
it is now known as Good Friday, Jesus obviously was crucified on the cross and this was therefore seen in biblical times as something that was unlucky. It was such a an unlucky thing that, you know, there was a guy back in the 19th century who felt that this stigma attached with the number 13 was totally irrelevant. It was something that was contrived, it was so uh, ridiculous that he set up a club, it was called the 13 Club, and that guy's name was uh, Captain William Fowler. So what he would do, he would go around and he would have 13 guests on the 13th of each month and they would have a meal with 13 courses. Yeah, you see where this is going? In the room 13 in the Knickerbocker Cottage in New York City. Now, before they walked in for dinner, they would walk underneath a ladder. And believe it or not, from doing a bit of research, it was actually four U USA presidents who were part of this club. It was called the 13 Club. It's a very interesting in terms of, you know, people taking it to the next level. Obviously, in more recent times, because that was back in the 18th century, there was a book released uh, by Thomas Lawson called 13, which was a story told about a stockbroker. He used sup superstitions to create chaos on Wall Street, in, 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 on the stock exchange in Wall Street, and ultimately he made a killing out of, of all of this um, chaos. In more recent times, and I'm conscious of the fact that we all know about the Friday the 13th movie, the horror movie released in the 1980 year, year 1980 year, and the, the the costumes that came out at the Halloween costumes that came out at about the, you know the hockey mask of the killer Jason. So that's kind of where it, where Friday the 13th has kind of developed more modern pop culture, but. You know what, has actually anything ever happened really on the Friday the 13th that's bad? You know, looking through the history books, um, a lot of people would look at the, what happened in France and the Knights Templars in 1307 uh, when they were all arrested and they were burned across France and, you know, that's kind of another association with Friday the 13th. Realistically, that was all about money and land grabbing and everything else, but... Um, I was looking through the history books and believe it or not, Buckingham Palace in 1940 uh, was bombed. September 1940 was bombed by the Germans. Um, unlucky for the English, I suppose. Probably lucky for the Germans, more so than anything else. And then in more recent years, back there in January 2012, the Costa Concordia, I think you might remember this, in Italy, uh, tragically, uh, you know, crashed and killed 30 people. So there has been some significant um, bad luck or bad, bad happenings, you might say, on Friday the 13th. But all this talk of, you know, superstition and um, bad luck and bad omens, as you might call them, got me thinking about Irish um, superstitions and uniquely Irish family superstitions. So I know in my family, there's a, there's a good few superstitions. I know that if your ears are burning, someone's gossiping about you one thing um i also know if you have an itchy hand that's money coming to you and if your other hand is itchy that there's money leaving you um you should never my mother i remember my mother i walked into my mother's house after buying a pair of new shoes and i plunked the box on top of the table and no sooner had i bought it and told her what i bought she had lambasted me for putting new shoes on the table so apparently that's an irish superstition 
So as a nation, I think we're all very superstitious in this country. But I think that comes from our pagan and then our Christian and to more recent time our Catholic um, associations and, and, and basically how we've been brought up as a society. So that's kind of where Friday the 13th, I hope you've all had a very safe Friday the 13th and that you're all still with us and that the next Friday the 13th, which, uh, which is uh, not too far away, is a lot better. So this, this, that's, that's what Friday the 13th is about. So looking back, I suppose, on the week that was, the messages that really came up across my news trends was the fact that Leo Varadkar had told us that we don't need our relatives coming home this Christmas on which the CMO said it's too early to know what the situation will be come December. That there is positive news in terms of the fight on COVID in the terms of the generation of a vaccine and more specifically what news came out from Pfizer and BioNTech on there on Monday. And we all survived, well most of us did, Friday the 13th in 2020 and we went through what it all means. I hope you found this podcast interesting. I hope you found it enjoyable. And I hope my pronunciation of the fear of number 13 was correct. If it wasn't, message me on Instagram, the Big Nose Podcaster. You'll find me there. And you'll find this podcast, along with all my others, where you get your podcast normally. I hope you all have a great week. And I look forward to chatting to you again next week. Have a great week. Take care.